following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. The Jackal. Welcome, friends, to Inside the Jackal's Head, right here live once again on PSN Radio. That's right, psn-radio.com is where you can find me every Sunday night, and it is May 17th, 2020, and I am just honored to still be with you and uh, to have you listening in. Hopefully everybody's staying safe and sound and staying COVID-19 free. Another week has gone by, and, uh, you know, we're uh, hopefully uh, another week closer to being rid of this invisible nightmare. As uh, you might know, the lockdown continues. It seems like it's never going to end, but everything does come to an end, doesn't it, folks? So be worried not. This will pass. Uh, Just uh, hope that everybody makes it through safe and sound. We have a, a fantastic show for you tonight. I have a great guest. Tim Weisberg is going to be uh, joining me here within the next hour. And uh, he's just a great, great podcaster. He was, uh, for a little while there, he was the main host on Midnight in the Desert. The show that was uh, once uh, hosted by my mentor, the late, great Art Bell over on Darknet dark matter digital network uh tim has uh, been doing a lot of uh, fantastic work on radio for a very long time and uh tim is uh, a really 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 fun host i don't know what happened over there i know folks think uh, that i have all the inside information because i i know keith but i haven't spoken to him in a minute and i really don't know what happened but we're not going to talk about that we're going to get into uh tim wise uh berg's show what he does and how he came to uh, the paranormal community. He is an author, a radio host, like, uh, you know, I said, he's a paranormal researcher. He's known for his works on unique haunts of New England. A sports writer by day, Tim tries to bring journalistic approaches to investigating the unknown. He is the author of Ghost of the South Coast and Hunted Objects. Stories of Ghosts on Your Shelf, and the host of the popular Spooky South Coast radio program, Tim has been featured on television programs such as Ghost Adventures, My Ghost Story, which is very spooky, My Ghost Story, Monster Quest, and the most terrifying places in America. He also is the co-founder of the Legend Trip uh, Legend Trips, and uh, is, which is a, a paranormal events company with the uh, focus on raising money for historic haunts. So that's what we have to uh, look forward to in the second hour uh, right here on the uh, show. When we hit the 11-hour mark, the 11th hour, we will get spooky with Tim Weisberg. And uh, in the next uh, 30 minutes, I'm going to be uh, bringing on... Kaiser for his uh, Kaiser's Corner, and uh, he has big, 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 big news, folks. Huge, 
humongous, you would even say. Something that uh, it deserves a round of applause. That's right, guys. Kaiser's going to uh, join me in uh, probably about 20, 25 minutes, and uh, we're going to announce uh, some major, major stuff, because I felt like this man deserved to be not just in a corner when he has a castle of his own. So with that said, uh, I'll leave it to the rest of the imagination of the listeners. Kaiser has a castle. Just think about it. And, uh, of course, after the uh, show tonight at 1 a.m., we have Unleashed Truth Radio with Mitchell Nicholas Grober right here on the uh, network, psn-radio.com. He's got uh, fascinating stuff on China to go over again tonight, which, as you guys know, that's something that is uh, near and dear to uh, his heart and mine as I have uh, family ties to the uh, country in a, in a long time ago. But uh, it's uh, something that's deserving of a lot of attention. There's a lot of things that are coming out of China which are not pretty, folks. And when you, we go to the uh, ballot box later this year, you know, not just for the presidential election, but across the board, I want people to remember who the good players and who the bad players were. During the last four years. Who supported China? Who didn't? And I want you to know exactly what China is being accused of. What it's not just accusations, but pure facts. Because there's a couple of different misconceptions out there in the public. A lot of accusations go out. From individual to individual country to country, president to president, groups to groups, races to other races, but facts are are facts, doesn't matter. That's why I've always uh, said on this show and uh, even on Skywatchers um, that if we were ever to make communication with another alien intelligence that is either as smart or smarter than we are, which if they make contact with us and land here, chances are, folks, they're a lot smarter than we are. But let's just say we make contact. The one way we're going to be able to communicate is by mathematics, because that is pure fact. Two plus two equals four, not six, and uh, not eight. It's going to be four, and doesn't matter what planet you're on. So that would be the basis of starting a form of communication. Once we start there, things will fall into place. Uh, if we cannot verbally communicate, you know, depending on where they are, you know, our evolutionary uh, path led them to. Uh, maybe the communicating clicks and sounds telepathically, uh, verbally, but just different languages like us here on Earth. Who the heck knows? I mean, there's so many different dialects and uh you know, languages on this planet as it is. I mean, think about that. We have hundreds of different languages, hundreds of different countries. I mean, heck, Africa has names with clicks on it. 
Man, I'm not even kidding. You could be called like something like uh, Chug Chung and be from Africa and have an actual like click in your name. So, you know, I, I've I've heard comedians who go to Africa and they're like, hey, I'm so-and-so, what's your name? And they're like, and they're like, how, how do you pronounce that out? How, how does that work? Nobody knows. But it's a dialect. It's a different language. And, of course, China is all confused. They have like five different, six different dialects from all over the place. Uh, so... Yeah, chances are if we meet an alien race, they're not going to come down and say, Howdy, y'all, I've been uh, observing you guys from uh, across the uh, dark side of the moon, and, uh, you know, we're here to uh, make uh, uh, contact. This is our uh, son, uh, Slug Leroy, over here, when he's coming down the uh, the escalator. You know, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a little bit uh, more mathematical, like I said, and uh, eventually uh, we'll learn how to interact. Maybe that's what's been taking disclosure so long. I don't know. Who knows? You know, there's also the chance if they're that smart, you come down here and learn our language within a matter of seconds. Maybe minutes, depending again on how smart they are. Either way, it's always a fun topic, and, you know, we do talk about that here, and uh, the reason I talk about aliens a lot is because, of of course, I have a history with art and uh, with Skywatchers Radio, which, by the way, is coming back. I get a lot of emails and messages. Uh, John Polk, who's a, a good friend of not only myself and Skywatchers and PSN Radio, he uh, will be on this show and, uh, of possibly on Skywatchers in the future as well. But Skywatchers uh, featured him. We met him over at MUFON. He's a really nice guy. And I uh, want to give him a special shout-out. And uh, Skywatchers uh, is a lot of fun. So me and us and Alan are going to bring that show back pretty soon. It went on a little bit of hiatus, as you know, Alan had uh, a lot of business uh, that he had to do on the side. And he was main hosting that show it's going to go probably back to the old format with it's uh me and him uh doing the show together which i think it's uh how it ran the best when it was just the two of us really really concentrating on making the uh, show as great as possible because again uh that show was uh, really really fun to do and uh, we you know we had a lot of fun you know uh, given we were also leading into art bell's show you know once a week and uh, that is uh, phenomenal. As you guys know, who listened to me for the last decade, Art Bell is the uh, number one guy on my Mount Rushmore of radio host. And, uh, of course, uh, he is uh, followed by the late, legendary Neil Rogers, the still alive and still kicking Phil Hendry, and uh, the one and only, the head honcho of SoFlo Radio and Neil Rogers co-host and uh, producer for 25 years, George Rodriguez. Those four gentlemen are my Mount Rushmore of radio. And if I could be a little bit like each one, it'll be great. I might have a pretty decent show before I pass away. Who knows when. I know it's not going to be this virus, because as it is, I've been quarantined in my house before this outbreak, and uh, 
I know a lot of you uh, out there are kind of like losing your wigs, man. You're like, oh, another month of this. Please open the country. Let's get this sucker going, and I'm all for that. I think we need to get the uh, country rolling and uh, get people working and get the economy back on track because, folks, it's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty. What's going on is a disaster in the making. As you know, the Democrats uh, rolled out this uh, week a three, get that three trillion dollar so-called stimulus bill. Okay, now I you know I received twelve hundred bucks uh, what last month from the two point two trillion. Now just add all the other uh, phases has gone to now another three trillion. Folks, that's the end of democracy in this country. I don't know if you have uh, figured this out yet, but if we print out, which it's not going to happen, there's not enough cash uh, to have that kind of uh, print cash available anyway, but if we have to print uh, an extra $3 trillion and China buys that debt up, we are forever... Slaves to the uh, communist China regime. So this pandemic, while, yeah, people are are dying. People die from the flu every year. It's an unfortunate fact. But this uh, stayed locked in, folks. Uh, A lot of this is manufactured. You've heard me say it over and over. You've heard a lot of the uh, center and right-wing conservatives and uh, even a lot of liberals are starting to say they're, they're opening their eyes. This is manufactured by extremists who want to see this country destroyed. They've been doing it from within. It's called a Trojan horse, folks. And when you give it all away this quickly and you are sitting pretty in your nice mansion with your $24,000 worth of ice cream, while people are literally dying. Okay, and then you come out with a $3 trillion plan that gives most of that to billionaires that are backing your campaign, your re-election. And the one thing that really irks me, folks, when you hear Nancy Pelosi speak, and I'm going to play a clip of her in a minute here, but when you hear this woman talk, and uh, I use woman very lightly because I'm starting to believe she is a lizard person of some sort. Uh, but when you hear uh, this uh, visitor speak, it's very clear what's going on here. We're being sold down the river, folks. This bill is uh, going to do nothing but open borders and give money to illegal aliens who should not be in this country to begin with. They're illegal. But now they're going to put them on a, a, a path to speedy citizenship, give them benefits that they've never earned, and uh, instead of sending them back to their country and protecting our sovereignty. Instead of handing money to the citizens of this country and only those people that deserve to have money, I'm not talking about the millionaires and billionaires who obviously are doing pretty well. They don't need an extra twelve hundred bucks or two thousand bucks. But I'm all for for the next four or five months until everything, you know, comes down with the virus. Giving the citizens an extra two thousand, that's fantastic. The citizens. 
people who made under seventy, eighty thousand, okay, that's fine. People had no income the last couple of years because of what's been going on this year and because maybe they lost their job or have been going through a medical crisis. Give them $2,000. That's great. Take care of your own. Because if you do this, they're not going to be able to take this away later. What's going to end up happening is, in you know, by next year, everybody's going to want to come here. And we're going to be flooded with even more illegals. And God forbid we lose Trump and Biden wins the election. Folks, it's a nightmare if that happens. Think about that. Every person who wants to come in from around the world is going to want to take part of that $2,000. You know what that would do to the, the dollar? You know what that would do for inflation? You know Venezuela... Well, times a hundred, and that brings us to a little mathematics. And I'm pretty sure you guys know what I'm talking about when I say times a hundred. It's not going to look good. So the only way to avoid that kind of catastrophe is by remembering in November who you're going to vote for. Now I'm going to play this clip of uh, nasty Nancy the Lizard person Pelosi trying to defend this three trillion dollar nightmare listen to this folks in february sadly we learned of the first known coronavirus death in the united states since then over eighty thousand americans have died and nearly 1.4 million have been infected 33 million americans have filed for unemployment insurance we all know these numbers we face the biggest catastrophe in our nation's history Setting aside how we got here, we must approach this tragedy with the deepest humanity as we go into the future. All of our hearts are broken by the loss of life. The number of 33 million Americans who have filed for unemployment insurance is almost unimaginable. This is a moment when many millions of our fellow Americans are in deep suffering. We must have empathy for our heroes, the healthcare workers for how exhausted and how stressed they are in doing their jobs. Add to that, they must maybe lose their jobs in this economy. We must also empathize with the pain of families who do not know where their next meals are coming from and how to pay next month's rent. It is imperative that we address the needs of the American people with clarity on how we proceed. That is why today, House Democrats are introducing the HEROES Act named for our heroes, whose provisions are largely based on the four previous bipartisan bills we have passed. The HEROES Act focuses on three pillars, opening our economy safely and soon, honoring our heroes, and then putting much-needed money into the pockets of the American people. We can all agree that we must open our economy as quickly as we can, but we must do so based on science and data. The key to opening the door is testing, tracing, treatment, and social distancing. And we must do so in a way that reaches all Americans in a way that addresses the disparities we have seen so that we can assess the full extent of the coronavirus and defeat it. Overwhelmingly, the scientific community agrees. 
Americans also agree that we owe our heroes in the fight against the coronavirus an enormous debt of gratitude. Our healthcare, first responders, teachers, transit, food, sanitation, and other essential workers who risk their lives to save lives and who could now lose their jobs. To do that, we must act boldly to support state and local entities to address coronavirus-related outlays and lost revenue due to the coronavirus. We all know that we must put more money in the pockets of the American people. This is not only necessary for their survival, but it is also a stimulus to the economy. Direct payments, unemployment insurance, rental and mortgage help, and food and student loan assistance, among other things, are essential to relieve the fear that many families are facing. The chair of the Federal Reserve Bank has told us to think big because interest rates are so low. The low interest rate and the prospect of access to credit has bolstered the stock market. We intend to use those low interest rates to bolster the American people. We must think big for the people now, because if we don't, it will cost more in lives. Okay, what she is uh, beautifully not telling you folks, and I had to stop it right there just to get a point across, and also fix the audio because it was coming a little bit low. Uh, But what she's not telling you is, it's, you know, not us that they're trying to take care of. Okay? Don't be confused. This entire thing is to fund corporations that have her back and are going to give her money. Okay? What do these corporations have to do with the fact that people are starving right now? Okay? A lot of these companies are closed, right? They're not having losses, just not gaining revenue. It's a big difference between having excessive losses when you fired everybody and everything shut down to have an excessive revenue. Now, I understand that, you know, you're going to have some bills, rent, and stuff. But if you're a multi-million dollar corporation, you could withstand a couple of months of being shut down and not paying any employee who's going to get, you know, these uh, benefits from the government. If you're hiring your employee and you're paying them, and you're still getting money on top of that, but you're making money because you actually are open. You're double dipping at that point. So why should the government give these corporations billions? Does that make any sense to anybody? Or am I alone on this? Keep listening, guys. And who could now lose their jobs. To do that, we must act boldly to support state and local entities to address coronavirus-related outliers outlays and lost revenue due to the coronavirus. We all know that we must put more money in the pockets of the American people. This is not only necessary for their survival, but it is also a stimulus to the economy. Direct payments, unemployment insurance, rental and mortgage help, and food and student loan assistance, among other things, are essential to relieve the fear that many families are facing. The chair of the Federal Reserve Bank has told us to think big because interest rates are so low. The low interest rate and the prospect of access to credit has bolstered the stock market. We intend to use those low interest rates to bolster the American people. We must think big for the people now, because if we don't, it will cost more in lives and livelihood later. Not acting is the most expensive course. We are presenting a plan to do what is necessary to deal with the corona crisis and make sure we can get the country back to work and school safely. We have a goal. 
we had benchmarks, we had, and we had the science to succeed. In this critical moment for our country, we must demonstrate a clear strategy of testing, tracing, and treatment again. We must honor our heroes in the coronavirus crisis with support, not just words. We must address the pain of families who have lost their jobs through no fault of their own. I'm proud of the chairs of our committees of jurisdiction for the work on all five bills. We must all take an extra moment to understand the numbers we are seeing, which are the most overwhelming in our lifetimes. These numbers require action that we've never had to take before. There are those who said, let's just pause. But the families who are suffering know that hunger doesn't take a pause, the rent doesn't take a pause, the bills don't take a pause, the hardship of losing a job or tragically losing a loved one doesn't take a pause. This is an historic challenge and therefore momentous opportunity for us to meet the needs of the American people to save their lives, their livelihoods, and our democracy. 400 years ago, the great poet John Donne wrote, no man is an island entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Each man's death diminishes me, for I'm involved in mankind. Therefore, send now to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. America's heart is full of love, and our tradition is one of optimism and hope. Let us pray for those who are affected. Let us pray for... A lot of prayer from a person who has a lot of hate in their heart. Uh, and it's funny because when uh, she's confronted with that, she gets very offensive and very nasty for a person who prays. It's amazing. Now, again, folks, this tr $3 trillion bailout, as they're calling it, is going to completely destroy the country. Now, I know the president has said this is dead on arrival. He will not sign it. Uh, we're going to see what happens there. But right now, joining the show for his slice in Little Corner on Inside the Jackal's Head, which we're going to talk about expanding into his own castle, the one, the only, Kaiser. What's going on, my friend? And I hope you've been paying close attention to that clip because it's amazing the nightmare that's heading our way, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's never been a more disingenuous person than Nancy Pelosi. Or Piglosi, mm. as some people call her. Nasty, nasty Nancy Pelosi, as I like to dub her. Nasty Nancy. Double yeah, I, I'd, I'd say <laughs> nasty Piglosi. Um, there you go. <laughs> my, uh, my point is people forget who she is. Her dad was a mafia guy, just like the Kennedys back in the day. And she uh, actually... Actually, when they moved out to California, she did that because she was a Chevy girl. You guys can find the pictures out online. And uh, that's how she made her money, modeling Chevys. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and and then the moron gets into the uh, Senate, and it was all during the ERA. If, if you guys look it up, this, this is back when the Equal Rights Amendment was big in the 70s and early 80s. And, of course, she tried to push it again when she became speaker every time. Uh, there's already equal rights. We have our constitutional amendments and those amendments are our civil rights and our equal rights and the bill of rights. And it's specifically laid out there. You know, when it says all men, that's not a gender specific thing. It is all people, you men, if you want to say it that way. 
but the but the Correct. but not for people from outside of this nation that didn't come in legally, and that's a bugaboo that I've always had. You you know, one of the uh, agencies I work for was Immigration and Customs, so you know, there is anytime you go in or out of this nation, you go through CBP now Homeland Security, and uh, when you go or come internationally even through Mexico or the northern border of Canada, uh, believe it or not, at the borders, and this is constitutional, your rights are suspended at that border, even a U.S. citizen. There was an old adage that they taught us, you know, anybody else we could turn away, 6A or 7AM back into their own nation or the nation they came from. Um, But if it's a USC, you can't deny them entry. But they can come in in handcuffs. If that makes sense to you, you understand if they violated a law, customs mm-hmm. or immigrationally, yep. then they c- can be arrested at that border. And once they're arrested, then they're, they, their civil rights are maintained. But while you're at that border or there's border nexus, that's another thing people don't understand. If a CBPO were to be assigned to follow you crossing the border, they've done this with drug cases and he does not lose border nexus, i.e. he doesn't lose sight of you, your car, or anything. Anytime they lose sight, at that point, he's lost border nexus. If he maintains it, and there have been cases held by the Supreme Court because of this, uh, no, he, they, you, they can't have, CVP could not have screened you coming in. It's it just a, a, a word, a turn of phrase. Instead of asking the normal questions, they just, you know, it's like the CBP didn't do his job. CBPO didn't do his job. And so that CBPO then becomes the warrant. So you pull your car into your attached garage loaded with dope and knocks on the door. They've already talked to a judge. This was already planned. They can now search not just your car, but your house. And that's a fact, but many ports won't do that. And that's the problem is port policy trumps national policy. And you get a liberal city like uh, Detroit or some other liberal city like uh, uh, Los Angeles or New York. And that port may have different rules because of the port um I want to say manager, that's not the proper term, but there is a supervisor that runs every port of entry and it's based on geographical location and they can dictate less enforcement enforcement than, um, national policy. If that makes sense to you. Total. You know, uh, what do you think of the uh, underlying uh, language? I don't know if you've read the entire bill coming up here, but uh, where they're talking about not only opening borders and ports, but uh, this is the scariest part, Kaiser. It's uh, fast-tracking the illegals are already here and giving them citizen rights without having to go and do the processing. They're going to get... Uh, you know, all this money extra on top of, uh, you know, going through the 
process uh, without having, actually having to do anything. They're going to be given uh, pretty much full uh, citizenship into the country, those that are here already. And, you know, once something like this passes, it, they, they'll never be able to take this off the books, and they won't want to. And at that point, there'll never be another Republican, uh, you know, voted into office. There'll never be another independent. It'll be Democrat, and it'll be their way from here And on that's out. what the... It'll, it'll not just be nationally. It'll be within your own states, because we'll be massively yep. flooded with people. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there is a process to it. You know, first they become a legal permanent resident. Correct. You know, after they've had after they've had a certain amount of time and they've gone through a certain process, and then finally they get their naturalization kit. Yep. And uh, if people have never seen what a naturalization paper looks like, it almost looks fake. I mean, it's got a picture that basically looks like it's glued on a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. I know. I went through that. <laughs> I know. I know. And 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 but people have to leave. Let's say they're a, a legal permanent resident, what we call a leaper, and they're coming in on a K visa, whatever they, the type of visa they come in to immigrate with. Right. Well, once once they do that, they have to exit the country. It could be going across the border to Canada, make mm-hmm. a reentry, and once they reenter. Then CBPOs can process that naturalization paper at the port of entry. And that's how that works now. And mm-hmm. a lot of people just a lot of people just don't understand that this cuts all that out because during the time from the time they first come in to becoming a legal permanent resident to getting their naturalization, they are checked out. They're found out if they have criminal you know, criminal history. Uh, if they've got any entanglements with the former, uh, with a foreign government that could be a spy or a terrorist, and then finally, they found they are found to be of good character, moral character, and and not having moral turpitude or yeah turpitude. Uh, they are then allowed to become a USC, United States citizen, through that process. And by cutting this, the other part of the bill that nobody's really talking about. Is they're saying they'll give the illegals that money too, and I'm with you when you said yeah yeah. Uh, I'm definitely with you when you said um, that uh, only citizens oh, uh, that are oh, here deserve to get that money if no, yep. and nobody else. Yeah, I mean that's the way yep. it should be. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, those who have been here and have been here for many years and have paid taxes and uh, and are the citizens who went through the process legally are the ones that are deserving of any stimulus package. And not just anybody. Like I said, Kaiser, I don't want to see somebody who made uh, $5 million last year get a $2,000 check. That's not something that he needs. Okay? It should be a person, again, who makes a certain amount, like, say, 60000 and has a family and deserves to have, you know, the coverage for five, six months, whatever it is, to you know, until they clear the epidemic. But here's the thing. Jobs are reopening. Jo- a lot of jobs have been opened. Fast food places, grocery yep. stores. So, I mean, uh, these corporations don't need money. Are you kidding me? Walmart, Publix, these big companies, Winn-Dixie, they have been making a killing in the last few months because everybody's shopping for everything. So do you think they need a billion dollars? They don't. 
And a lot of, the, and it's not just them. It's, you know, Amazon received some money. Amazon, really, do they need money? Amazon, no. And, uh, Especially and when that's how people are buying stuff now, through Amazon. Exactly, this exactly. Is, this is... It, it, it's ridiculous. Look, Amazon is about to purchase AMC theaters. That's the rumor. Do you know how much billions and billions that's going to take? Because AMC is losing money because of the lockdown, and they had been losing money before this happened anyway. So Amazon is rumored to be in the hunt to purchase them. And the country really needs to give them more money. You know, they're corporations that don't need a penny. So why are they part of this package? You know why? Because people are getting paid through uh, you know, their side businesses with these companies, through stock and other investments. And uh, it's all a way of laundering the money from you, the taxpayers, from us. And, and uh, putting it in it those politicians' them. pockets through a, uh, um, a daggone lobbyist. And, exactly. and here's the thing. Yeah. The, the, the businesses that do need the money, Angel Brother, are the small businesses. Correct. And that's 80, 80% of the people hired in America are through small business. Yes. And if those shops don't return, it's going to be bad. That's what I'm talking about. Give those companies the chance. Give the people that need the money the chance. The citizens, the hardworking Americans that deserve that money, that deserve the handout during whatever amount of months. But look, if the small companies start coming up and they start opening up again, we don't need to keep giving them money if they're making money by being open. So, I mean, eventually these things do work their way out. It's not like they're going to be on the payroll for free for the next 20 years. No, this will be until things, you know, are stimulated and everybody's back on the on the railroad and it's a nice, you know, oiled, you know, train again and we're all back uh, to at least close to where we were before this pandemic broke out. I know Trump wants to get it all back, you know, up and running immediately. And he has, you know, of course, a need to do that because, you know, the election's coming up and he doesn't want to be the president with... Uh, a 14, 15 uh, million unemployment percentage coming up during an election. And that is another reason why the left has been pushing for this and pushing to keep close because they want to push the narrative that under this president, look what happened. He allowed a virus to go out. Unemployment, sky high. He is the worst disaster. You know, if you follow the real narrative, who warned us first? Trump in January, who said, come down to Chinatown, let's eat some ice cream, come on. Nancy Pelosi, that was a month after he closed flights and was being called a racist and a xenophobe. I love how the left, guys, wants to completely rewrite history. It's simply amazing, isn't it? Well, yes, in some ways, but what's more amazing to me, that just came out like 40% of people in New York City have left New York City. Yes. So they're not, they're not, this could, this could actually, and California is the same way. Yeah. So this actually could do a bizarre thing that hasn't been done in California since the eighties or nineties was it being a red state. It could happen, but it also will affect blue states that, you know, if those people move to blue states, or, there was two or, senators uh, that won in California. Well, there was two senators that won in California recently, correct? Or to Congress? 
Yeah, I think it was Congress. Yeah, yeah. out of 12 yeah, two districts, seats. I think it was. Yeah, out Correct. of Congress. So they, they added two more Congress people that are Republican. And, uh, I mean, that tells you something. That's a heavy Democratic state. And uh, slowly uh, people are starting to wake up, I think, Kaiser, over there. I think you're absolutely correct on that. I think that uh, a lot of these people, man, they're seeing what's going on. And this is actual, you know, everybody says this, that, and the other, Trump's a fascist. No. Where are you seeing the fascism come from? The the blue states right now and blue governors. Um, Michigan's a prime example of that. And the people of Michigan, look, Trump won Michigan. Me and my wife were talking about this today, bro. Uh, he won Michigan before all this, and the people of Michigan are even more angry now. And since uh, Michigan's always had Democrats for governor for a long time, and it's because of Detroit. But it also had, like, Lansing and different other cities like that that would fall in line and be a, a proper voting block that you Correct. could rely on. Yep. And this thing... I think they'll carry Detroit in Michigan, but outside of it, it's going to be minimal. And uh, it's because all Michiganders are feeling it. You know, um, governors need to wake up and do the right thing, but they're not doing it. They, what was the old adage by, uh, oh, what's his brother and him? Um, uh, shoot, I can't think of his name, but never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, Lin, uh, no, it's not Lenny. Um, Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everybody knows the quote. His name will come to me, man. I'm, you know, I'm an old guy now, so it, it, it happens to the best of us. It happens to me once in a while, even on this show sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. Oh yeah. No, like, I, I, said, I don't man, have those moments. It's, it's amazing. But yeah, what was the what was the saying? Never let a crisis go to waste. Very true. And the Democrats are not allowing this crisis to go to waste. They've done it for the last four years. They've built crisis. They manufactured crisis through lies and hypocrisy. What makes you think this is any different? This is, I mean, this is no different oh, than, than, than everything else they try to pull over the eyes of the American people. And uh, it's not any different now. It's not any different with the impeachment hoax, the Russian collusion hoax. Uh, Ukraine call hoax, uh, the eight years of Obama, which was a fraud on the entire country. Uh, the, even the Bush Jr. years was a fraud. The Clinton years was a fraud. I mean, this is something that's been going on for decades and decades and decades. I would even say even Bush Sr. participated in the downfall of this country when he was president for four years. Uh, you know, this has uh, been snowballing slowly into what is coming, uh, you know, towards us. I think that's why when you have these people in power, Kaiser, that's why we're seeing all these disastrous events happen within a time span. 9-11, 2020, you know, and it's always something that uh, has a number which is kind of spooky, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... It, it... But here's here's the thought on that one. Uh, you can go all the way back to Nixon. He's the one who, you know, only Nixon could go to China. And yeah, it's Podesta. Who, it's Podesta. It's Podesta who said that quote earlier. In my mind, like I said, I, I knew it would catch up. Um, but yeah, Nixon ah, went to China. Mm -hmm. And since that time, uh, 
the Chinese have basically run our country. I mean, they run Hollywood yeah. now. I mean, there's yep. movies that had to be reshot because it had it mentioned Taiwan. I think the uh, Top Gun movie on the back from the original on the back of his jacket, there's a uh, Taiwanese flag from you know his 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 flight jacket or whatever the leather jacket. Yeah, and they had yep. to airbrush that out. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah, they're hiding well, facts and truth. When has Hollywood in the past, remember old Hollywood in the 50s and 60s, if you were even communicating or in contact or knew a communist or, or a socialist, you were excommunicado from Hollywood. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, like I've said before, this is covered in the movie The Majestic with Jim Carrey. We've talked about that. Uh, it's, you know, a, a well-known thing that this would not happen before. Now, they're completely bending over to China and communism and socialism. It's, it's all over Hollywood. That's why I do love, Kaiser, I do love what's happening also in Hollywood and what's been happening where all these dirty people that are living that fantasy life out there in Hollywood are starting to get drained out of their own swamp. Harvey Weinstein and all these criminals that have been running child pornography and child pedophilia and all kinds of crazy nonsense for decades are starting to now really feel the burn. And uh, well, this is, they're going to be a lot of more heads rolling, I'm telling you right now, from there. Well, it's not even just that. I can't, uh, Ryan Reynolds is the guy's name. He played uh, the guy with two guns, Daredevil, not Daredevil, whatever Deadpool, it's Dead, called. Deadpool, I, Deadpool, Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, he's lampooned, made a bunch of shows, him alone and also a couple with him and his wife, you know, where they're just sitting around talking. But they're, you can see he's a regular, likable dude, right? Mm-hmm. But he's blasting Hollywood people. First, they did their bullshit song, and mm-hmm. then uh, put that out there. You have Madonna taking a bath with rose petals and shit. Yeah. Uh, just all kinds of retarded stuff. That And everybody <laughs> now is looking at these people yeah. like they're morons. Yeah. Well, so that's Madonna a good thing, is. too. <laughs> You know, and bless Ryan Reynolds, he's a hysterical comedian. He's been really funny for many years, and now he's getting his uh, accolades through uh, fandom and uh, because of the Deadpool movies, he's he's really hit it big. But he's very vocal, and uh, he, he will say what's on his mind. That's one thing I've always liked about him, whether he's left or right. He has always been like very open-minded about what he thinks. He doesn't center himself. Which is why I think he fit that character so perfectly. Because that's kind of what Deadpool is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like I said, you know I'm not a big uh, comic aficionado. book fan. Unless they were the old yeah. Sark. Huh? <laughs> You're not a big comic aficionado. Yeah, well, exactly. Aficionado. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, and when I was a kid, I used to get the uh, Sergeant Rocks, Viking Commando, those kind of uh, weird war, those kind of things and mm-hmm. then I, I read star wars too and battlestar galactica when they had that comic book out anyways that, that uh, was a great comic oh well huh? we have we have a 10 minutes about 10 minutes left i have uh tim uh, weisberg coming in in the second hour uh but i know that we wanted to announce uh, a big uh, a deal 
for you uh, on PSN Radio. Do uh, you want to go ahead and uh, tell the audience what we're uh, bringing uh, to them after the show? Oh, yes. Um, what, what it is is it's uh, going to be a section about an hour in length where it becomes Kaiser's Castle. And I'll still be on with in, in uh, Kaiser's Corner. That's where I live, and Angel's part of his brain. That's a part of I get that little corner. and uh, <laughs> But I'll be able to expand with Angel or whoever's on with me uh, on some things. I My channel normally focuses on making better men, uh, telling the truth about certain things in the news. Like my last one I did was the uh, Venezuelan mercs, the mercenaries, on my channel. And... Um, and basically boiling down the truth or the hypocrisy or whatever I see. And it's my opinion. And look, folks, I'm the foremost expert on one thing, my opinion. I hate experts. I'm a specialist in a couple of things, and that's what I speak on. And I won't speak out out of school normally about anything. I may I may meander and, and, and suppose, but I, I keep that to a minimum, or at least I try. You try hard. I, I, yeah, I could definitely say that. And uh, we appreciate uh, you know you uh, becoming a regular on the network with uh, Kaiser's Castle. And it will air right after this show at uh, midnight to 1. So you're going to be sandwiched in between Inside the Jackal's Head and uh, at 1, of course, Unleashed Truth Radio with Mitchell Nicholas Grober who has a fascinating uh, topic himself. He talks about organ harvesting out of China. You guys might want to uh, cross for railroads and uh, do a little multiversing. And uh, I don't know if uh, you've been uh, interested in that subject, but, man, it's a, it's a terrible thing uh, that they're doing, they, they've been doing. So for NBA players, uh, people on the left, People who are saying, oh, that's xenophobic. Why are you picking on China? We're not picking on the people of China. It's the government of China. And what they've been doing to their own people, what they're doing to the world, and if we're not careful, what they're going to continue to do to this country until it's completely destroyed to the point of no return, and we're almost there. The, the Chinese Communist Party... When people say China, unfortunately, we have to refer to it that way because it is run by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, Taiwan, even though it's China, but it's Taiwanese China, free China. And that's been the thorn in China's Communist Party saddle for a long time. And there is a lot of things that happen like that. You know, there was a lot of deaths where they were actually pulling people. People have seen the videos, pulling people out of their house. They're alive. The doctor who blew the whistle was alive and all of a sudden died, right? So, you know, it's kind of BS. Your thought, thoughts, bro? Complete BS. I mean, uh, I don't believe a word that comes out of China to begin with, to be honest with you. It's all a load of crap at this point as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, folks... If you hear uh, Nancy Pelosi or anybody defend China, the Communist Party, 
you know who to trust and who not to trust. And uh, again, I don't like to put myself in there and say, you must vote for this person or that person. I want everybody to use their conscience and vote for who they feel is the right person. Uh, but again, exactly. be informed. Exactly. But, exactly. But remember, Senator Feinstein's driver for a whole lot of years, you guys can research it. Don't ever believe what I say, research it. Mm-hmm. Her driver for years was a Chinese spy. And you look at the committee she's on. So they've embedded in our government, even though it's 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 hard to explain to folks, but if you're developing intelligence, you have the hop rule. And you can look at the people around there. I don't want to get deep in the weeds on that. But that driver was one hop Instantly away from Diane Feinstein out of California, Senator. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. So there we go. Kaiser, my friend, uh, thank you so much for being here on the uh, corner for the half. And uh, we're going to uh, let you go and uh, get ready for your show tonight, sir, at one, uh, uh, midnight to 1 a.m. And uh, we're going to have you back on with Kaiser's Castle. And uh, we're going to go on a short break here in a minute. And uh, we're going to have, again, Tim Weisberg with us for the full hour. And we're going to get into some spooky paranormal stuff. Uh, Again, Kaiser, thanks uh, a bunch for being here. And I'll talk to you shortly, my friend. Awesome. Talk to you later there, Angel. Looking forward to it. Mm, Take care, buddy. Peace out. That is the legendary kaiser folks and again he will be uh, on his own uh, kaiser's castle and uh, that will be uh, following the uh, show here and now like i said we're going to go on a, on a break here in a minute uh, i do want to uh, address this uh, amazon thing because yeah it's legit i was just getting uh, questions on the uh, chat and uh, a, a few people asked uh, privately here uh, and uh, yeah it's true amazon is looking to, to acquire AMC theaters, and what that would do is it'll completely destroy uh, that franchise, uh, uh, the AMC theaters, I think, because streaming is the future, and if they use it for that purpose to completely uh, eradicate AMC theaters, it'll be a very sad situation. I uh, worked for AMC theaters, and I hope that is not what happens. If they do buy them out and they keep them open and they start running you know, more promotions for their original content, original movies, and they start putting them in the AMC theaters while opening the doors for every movie, then that would be cool. I mean, that, that would be sustainable, I think, for that company going forward. But I know, yeah, it's true, guys. That's something that, that might happen. Uh, so with that said, uh, confirmed, I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, break that I, uh, I talked about. And we're going to be back with Tim Weisberg uh, shortly, folks. So please stick around. And again, just remember in November, be careful who you vote for because it's scary times, guys. Be back. All right, fellas, ladies, kids. And people of all ages who are into the paranormal and the spooky from uh, this planet and anywhere listening across the cosmos, I want to welcome my guest tonight, Tim Weisberg, the one and only legendary himself, radio podcaster by day, by night, author, and uh, a fellow paranormal enthusiast like myself and like those of you listening right here on psn-radio.com. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for spending uh, your evening with us here for the next hour. 
Love hey, having you. Thanks for having me. And, and the fact that you already dubbed me legendary means I might as well just retire now. That's it. You can go home. Uh, if you're not there now, quarantine, just go and retire and uh, close the casket. You're good to go. <laughs> I, I've kind of been cheating since uh, since the whole thing happened with with uh, the former program that I that I worked for and, and yes. launched my own network. You know, like yourself, you when you start to do everything on your own, you can make your own rules. So now, you know, half of the things that I do for a living now, I, I don't have to leave the house for. It's amazing how that works, huh? Yeah, you know, it's a lot better. I mean, it's a little bit scarier now because there's no engineer here to fix all the problems when I screw up. But oh, thank- man, yeah. Thankfully, I have, uh, you know, a good support <laughs> staff, and uh, and I have an awesome person that I can call every time something goes wrong. And believe me, things go wrong, as I'm sure you know. Oh, definitely. I've been Look, I've been at this for uh, 10 years on PSN Radio. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, doing this show and uh, I did two years on Blog Trash Radio, or as some people would know it, a.k.a. Block Talk Radio. I'm sure you're aware. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well see. That's how everybody starts that does podcasts, I, I think. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this for, for 10 years. I, I've been doing it now for uh, 14. We started with Spooky South Coast in 2006. And wow, there started, you go. There were no other shows. There was us. It was Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. It was Ghostly Talk. Uh, our friend uh, Ron Kolak had his Ghost Chronicles show, but there really wasn't a whole lot around there on the radio, and there certainly wasn't a lot of stuff for podcasts. And all of a sudden, Blog Talk Radio shows up, and there's 4,000 paranormal shows, and every single yeah. show is you know, a paranormal <laughs> group talking amongst themselves, and every once in a while they might get a guest on, but they're still just talking amongst themselves. And it was like, eh, I don't think everybody should really have the opportunity to be a <laughs> radio host. You know, and, and especially if you can do it from like your cell phone or your or your house phone. At that point, are you really doing radio? I mean, right. uh, those, let's, let's be serious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when you can call in and somebody will produce your show, and by what they meant was by produce your show is they just fed it through the system. There's nobody there keeping an eye on you because if they did, they would have said, "Why are we wasting bandwidth on this?" Yeah, correct. But you know, for a lot of folks, it's a nice way to to get started and. Kind of feel your way across, see if it's for you. You know, the, like I said, I trash it because I left there unhappy because of quality of the sound, and I was serious about what I wanted to do with, uh, you know, doing podcasting, and it was just not up to the standard, and their fees were insane. Uh, that's why I, I left to do my own they thing. Are you sure for that? They charged you for the services they were offering? Oh, yes. It, it, I mean, they have a free service, and then if you want to add hours, if you want to add show dates, uh, you get a premium account, or uh, they have three different, I think, uh, platforms for payment, and, uh, and users could sign up for different uh, subscriptions that they want to uh, sign to, and you get certain packages and stuff. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like five times what I pay for my network now. Why would right. I do something that crazy? And I get uh, CD quality sound, and they're talking about twenty k over oh, there, and, and it's ridiculous. So uh, I, you know, I left a, a decade ago, and I've been doing this for a, a long time now. But you're right; when I first topped in, there was nobody. There was just a handful of of guys on the internet, and what got me interested was finding a few podcasts. There was George Rodriguez, which I'm pretty sure you're not familiar with. He's from down here in, in Miami, Florida. Uh, he has SoFloRadio.com. You know, he's been on AM radio for 25 years with uh, Neil Rogers, who passed away. And Tim, let me tell you, Neil Rogers was legend down here in Florida to the point where um, Howard Stern wanted to sign him at one point. 
and uh, to Sirius Radio. And Neil said, no, I'm a Miami guy, I'm staying there. And Neil was on WIOD with Art Bell, with Phil Hendry, and uh, you know uh, Rick and Suds, and a bunch of big names from the 90s. And he was the number one host for about 15, 20 years here in Florida. And then he passed uh, in 2010, actually, when I started to get more seriously about doing podcasting, ironically enough. And uh, the reason I bring that up is uh, because it's funny that it's gone from that to where now, in 2020, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts compared to what it was. And you're absolutely right. There was just a handful of people they were experimenting back then, but goodness, you and uh, the handful that we're doing were the pioneers, really, to this podcasting explosion we've had. Yeah, I mean, when we started doing Spooky South Coast, we said, uh, you know, we'd be lucky if we could just get a few phone calls from people listening in the area, and you know, maybe get, a, you know, if we had a couple of hundred people. Because uh, we we air on on a, a radio station WBSM out of New Bedford, Massachusetts, which at night and on the weekends drops down to a thousand watts. So it doesn't have a huge reach. So we figured if we could get, you know, a couple of hundred people out there in the audience, we'd be doing really well. Figured if we could last six months, we could say that we were, you know, a success in radio. And uh, what ended up happening is we found out that you could easily just podcast. And we had no idea what podcasts were, but we looked into it and we figured out that you could just record the show and upload it to iTunes and, Next thing you know, that we put up the first episode and we had people downloading us from all over the world. You know, we had 100 downloads that first week and, and we thought we were going to be the next big thing because 100 people downloaded us. That's amazing. You know, and now here we are 14 years later and, you know, we get millions of downloads. I never would have thought it'd be possible. But that's, uh, you know, uh, consistency, that's a uh, talent. And, uh, you know, you've come a long way, my friend. And as soon you'll be hitting that 20-year mark, imagine when you get there how that's going to feel. I, I mean, if we make it that far, <laughs> and at, at that point we have to seriously consider maybe it's time to retire because, you know, can you well, keep these topics? That's, that's longer than Art Bell talked about this kind of stuff. You know, how long can you keep the paranormal topics going? But yet we find each year uh, that passes there's more and more interesting things to talk about. There's mm-hmm. always going to be, you know, the classic cornerstone discussion topics, but still we're in an exciting time where we are starting to see people finally shake themselves out of the doldrums of is the paranormal real? How do we prove it and get rid of all of that garbage that is not moving us forward at all and saying, okay, what does this all mean? How does it all piece mm-hmm. together? And that's where the exciting stuff is. Well, I mean, not not only in, you know, ghostly paranormal, look at what's going on with the Pentagon and the release of the UFO footage. Uh, I've talked to many ufologists, of course, you know, I, I did Skywatchers Radio for that other network, which you were on for a while. And, uh, you know, we talked about endless times with Steve Bassett about disclosure. And Tim, I really, uh, I'm telling you right now, disclosure, it's not that far away. And I didn't believe it. I was skeptical. But these are the soft points of disclosure, which I've mentioned before jokingly as that's the way they're going to do it. It's going to be soft. It's not going to be full disclosure. We're going to get part disclosure of these little things. And then maybe one day, 50, I don't even think it's 50 years at this point anymore. I think we're right around the corner. So you might want to stick around after the next uh, five, six years because I think it's going to get really, really interesting in that department also. Well, it's funny that you bring up Steve Bassett because, you know, you get the emails from him, uh, you know, every once in a while that say, right. 
this coming out. We have this coming out. And I, and I always would say, you know, God loves Steve Bassett. He's, he's still hammering that drum of disclosure, but we're not getting any yep. close. You're right. In the last few years, it has kind of uh, just exploded. And I mm-hmm. think that with what's going on now, you know, and the way, uh, listen, you know, I'm not trying to make a statement one way or another when it comes to all this stuff about the virus, but you have a good amount of people that are questioning everything that's going on. So if you're the government and if you're the military and you know that there's this much distrust going on out there, why not throw the people a bone and give them some more, quote unquote, classified information about the UFOs and say, listen, why would we be hiding stuff about the virus or China or Russia or any of this stuff if we're willing to say, you know, if we're willing to give you all that we say that we can about the biggest question that's ever plagued mankind? We remember, though, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks are like new to this footage that they just put, you know, a quote unquote declassified. But this is stuff that I saw two or three years ago. I mean, this is not new, new, new footage. The Pentagon and the Congress and the, you know, the the government and everybody is now officially saying, okay, yeah, it's authentic. That's authentic footage. Uh, but we, the people that are interested in this kind of thing, saw this a year or two ago uh, when they first hit the Internet. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff on the Internet where, you know, for years the government had said, oh, no, 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 that's uh, that's, hocus, that's bogus, or they just wouldn't address it at all. Uh, you're absolutely right. This is the moment for any of that stuff that is real. Start disclosing some of this stuff and say, look, you know, we're not hiding anything. Yeah, this is authentic. That's authentic. What I always say is the best, uh, you know, uh, footage to believe in is the stuff that comes directly from the military, like this kind of footage. Uh, Because you hear voices that are direct military folks. Uh, You hear our, you know, own people talk about, you know, these things like they're in shock. Uh, so that tells me, and and you you can read when somebody's looking at something they've never seen before, or something that they've been tracking uh, a couple times, but they don't know what it is by the sound and the tone of their voice. So, and everything's compartmentalized. You know, nobody knows everything in this country about anything, uh, in government anyway. And in a lot a lot of these projects are just like that. So it would make sense uh, that you know you're talking about people that are capturing these things that work in military or work within the U.S. Navy and uh, are having experiences when they're out there on their jets. And, uh, you know, just put some of this stuff out. This is soft disclosure. That's what that is. Right. I mean, it's important to note, too, that they... The, while while the first it was the U.S. Navy that that commented on the Tic Tac footage when it was first released a couple of years ago. Now the Department of right. Defense has mm-hmm. commented on it. But it's important to note that in both cases... Nobody has made any reference to you, to aliens, to extraterrestrials, to this being of something not of this earth. All they have said is that it's unidentified. So they have admitted that whatever it is that's in this video, they don't know what it is. and Or at least they haven't been able to decipher what it is. So they always can pull back and say, listen, we never told you that UFOs were real. All that we told you was that there was this bit of footage that we had where we couldn't identify what was in the footage. So there's there's always the chance for them to pull back that rug from underneath us. Correct. And also, you know, you can look at it another way. This could lead them to eventually saying something like, you know what, folks, uh, we've uh, not only seen these objects, but guess what we just found? And then at that point, if they have anything like, say, microbes on Mars that are alive or anything they find artificial on Mars, they could point to that as well and start, you know, gearing towards other, you know, avenues of disclosure or maybe on the moon or some something they might 
find also elsewhere, uh, which would go along with this. Uh, but yeah, they could always pull the rug right from under us, like you said, and completely like say we didn't say these these were aliens. But the beautiful thing is, they didn't say they were not aliens. Uh, right. So and it could go either way. And if you're trying to push, you know, if you look at some of the the plans that the Trump administration has as it relates to space. They want to have the creation of the Space Force. They want to have a trip to the moon that will be used as a launch pad trip to get man to Mars. So when you right. put all this out there on the table, you've got people saying, well, how can we spend this much money on something that's so unnecessary? Uh, you know, so a good way to, to kind of drum up support for that is to release some of this footage and say, look, it's possible that if we go out there and we can get a little bit further, maybe we have that Zephram Cochran moment where – the aliens realize that what we're capable of, and then they can come down here and they can share all their secrets with us. Tim, you hit it right on the head. That's exactly why that's happening. Think about this. Uh, you know, besides the fact that the flag look, looks really cool with the uh, Star Trek-ish emblem, I'm just going to call it that because I don't want to get into copyright issues, but it looks very much, very much like Star Trek. Uh, but besides the flag that they released looking really neat and cool, uh, you know, this is a perfect way for them to establish, you know, a base where they probably already have one on the moon and, uh, you know, have that TV moment like when men first stepped on the moon. Think about that. You could have the exact moment like in, in first contact in Star Trek right on the moon with beings that are landing there to make first contact. And that could be live on TV. Uh, you know, meeting people from another world on another world. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, when when you're going to go to meet somebody, think about it. Do you want to really go over somebody else's house? And do you really want somebody else to come over to your house? Not really. But what do you do? You meet halfway. Hey, let's go to Correct. this restaurant. We'll have a nice meal together, you know? So that's what we can do with the aliens. Let's go meet them halfway so uh -huh. they can see that we're at least willing to do our fair part of, of the communication. Exactly, and we could say, listen, we're going to uh, have this as our uh, halfway point, and this will we'll meet there. Uh, and again, if we're going to do a space force, if we don't have one already, which I think we've had one for a long time, uh, it, but if we are serious about having the uh, defense out there, it's not just for comets, it's, uh, or, you know, space debris. Uh, it's for what's uh, coming next, and I'm telling you, th this is a brilliant idea to masquerade over probably what's already up there that is ours and theirs, but to give it that Hollywood moment, that TV moment, that first contact moment, which we all kind of need, I think, uh, not only as a society to help bring us together, but not only that, it's always kind of like the American way, right? To give us that moment where we all kind of unite and say, look, you know, first contact, look how beautiful that is. Like the first step on the moon, look how beautiful that was. It's something they can put in their history books because that's where this is going to end up. And it also takes away the finger pointing from those who kept the secret for decades and decades and decades. Uh, the Roswell crash, which I uh, you know believe we definitely had something to crash there. Whether there were aliens or not, that's up to interpretation. But any other real event like the Travis Walton event or anything that could de be deemed authentic, they don't have to go back and say, well, you know, we, we fraudulently told you this was a lie. And, you know, there are people that are still alive, and, you know, now they're going to get persecuted. Now, they, they can wash their hands off any of that and give us that Hollywood moment, which, you know, it, it sounds fantastic. But let's go back a little bit in history and talk about one William Cooper who said something like this 
would happen with holographic uh, contact made or some kind of hologram with you with aliens and uh, that folks is going to be all staged so what we're talking about is being a beautiful american moment maybe he was right maybe this is what they've been trying to stage and it's still all a lie yeah and listen there's there's going to be eventually and i feel odd saying this because it's people have been saying it for years, but eventually it will happen. Eventually there will be some acknowledgement of there being these beings that people have been encountering, that people have been abducted by, that people have been seeing uh, for decades now. And we will have to acknowledge that, yes, 100% these stories are real. These, these things are legitimate. Then the huge question that follows that is way bigger than the question of whether or not they're really here. And that's who are they and where do they come from? And I honestly think mm-hmm. that the answer to that is not going to be that they're beings from outer space. They're going to be some sort of strange uh, paranormal type phenomena that is no different than ghosts, no different than some of these cryptid creatures that we encounter, no different than psychic phenomena, that it all comes from the same realm. And now they're going to have a really hard problem uh, to explain to the world because now you've got to say not only – were these aliens real, but all this other stuff that we've been ignoring and avoiding for the past, you know, thousand or 2000 years, turns out that's true as well. I'm with you hundred percent on uh, the last couple thousand years. A lot of things have been mis, uh, interpreted and confused by the masses, which makes sense because you can only identify things by what you understand reality to be at your moment in time. We all live in the moment, so, you know, right now they're aliens in a thousand years, they could be something completely different, but, you know, getting to the more paranormal aspect of of these things, um, you know, while I can get into you know, them being a little bit more ghostly or paranormal-ish, for one simple reason, it's because of how distant galaxies uh, galaxies are uh, from each other and how far things are to get from one point to another unless you can really bend space and time it's really hard to go from here to Alpha Centauri or Sirius or any of these other galaxies out there uh, and imagine something 10 light years away or 100 light, light years away it's going to take some incredible technology that you know it's you know completely out of the realm of any human being's thought right now uh, so a lot of this could be from some kind of a paranormal aspect. Now, you've been dealing with the paranormal, obviously, a lot longer than I have. Uh, what What is your thought on what these things could be? I mean, I honestly think that the stuff that we encounter is something that we have been encountering for as long as mankind's been around, that we just have put labels on it that are through our lens of understanding of life and existence uh, that really hasn't all changed all that much. Our world around us and our place in the universe, we have learned vast amounts of information about that. But in terms of ourselves and the reasons why we're here and all of that stuff, we really haven't advanced in that question over the years. Uh, I I recently had the chance to uh, interview somebody on on my new show, Midnight Society, on midnight.fm. I had the chance to interview Ray Hernandez, who's part of the Free Foundation, which was formed with Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And he just completed, well, Free just completed a, a, a five-year study in which they had taken a look at all the extraterrestrial experiences that people are reporting, whether it be abductions, whether it be uh, full-on encounters and communications and all that. And they started trying to put all the pieces together and seeing the forest for the trees. And they came to a, a statistical realization of the same thing that I've felt in my gut all along 
that this is all the same phenomena, that all of this comes from the same place, and that it's probably something natural here on Earth that exists among us or exists right up alongside of us in an alternate dimension that we just don't understand. And if if that turns out to be the case, then we have shortchanged ourselves for thousands of years to be able to access whatever this is and be able to utilize it to our advantage in a way that would change us far more than to find out that there's alien technology coming here from another planet that we could maybe utilize in our own way. Now, we said another dimension. We're talking about a, a mirror universe or a, an extra, like, bubble multiverse uh, where there are different uh, bubble universes that coexist. Uh, kind of uh, to give uh, TV fans uh, who might know this show Sliders something like that kind of idea? Yeah, I think it's kind of along the lines of there is a an energetic realm that exists, almost like a frequency. I would I would consider it more a frequency than it is necessarily a dimension. And these okay. things exist within a frequency that we can't we can't perceive. So uh, it's almost like you know, uh, you you can't hear a radio wave without having a receiver to pull in that wave. And it's the same way with a lot of this stuff. You can't perceive these waves that are out there unless you have a receiver for that. And that receiver could be the devices that we're using to contact ghosts. That receiver could be uh, a person who has an experience with an alien. That receiver could be a trail cam that captures a Bigfoot. You know, whatever it is, it's, it's some sort of way of taking that, that wave that's out there and, and bringing it into kind of human existence, which is also why I think paranormal phenomena can't happen unless there's somebody there to observe it. Even if it's going to be something they observe later on on tape, it exists solely for the fact to be seen. I got you. Now, you know, moving on from aliens for a second, okay, let's talk about ghostly activity uh, when uh, people claim they've seen uh, family members, for example, who've passed away. Um, would that fall in the same spectrum? Because, I mean, a lot of folks that see alien crafts and uh, deal with the, the greys, for example, are speaking about two separate type of, of things. Um, or are they talking about the same thing? I mean, do we become the greys when we die? I mean, how exactly does this work? So the way Ray Hernandez was explaining it, and it, and it makes sense to me based on you know the way that I've seen my research go over the years, is that all of this stuff is coming from the same origin point. So that origin point, it, we'll, call it, uh, we'll call it the it. So the it wants to manifest in a way to interact with people. So to interact with one particular person, the it might take the form of a gray alien and abduct them. To to interact with another person, the it might take the form of their deceased relative and talk to them and communicate with them and tell them things that only that person could know. Because what it is is it's just something that is looking to reach out and, and, and for whatever reason communicate with us. Maybe it's to absorb some of our energy. Maybe it's to justify its own existence. Who knows? But whatever it is, it's all this mysterious force that is uh, that is manifesting in all these different ways, which he calls contact modalities. So, and I love that term because we have people that experience only one kind of phenomena. We have people that have experienced multiple different kinds of phenomena. So what they're really experiencing is all these different contact modalities, but they're they're interacting with the same intelligence one way or another it's just what form it comes down in. i'm not saying that i'm totally sold on this idea yet but i'm just right. saying it to be the most intriguing path that i've gone down in a long time 
it, it definitely is interesting. It, it it's a little hard to take in, uh, you know, just uh, because of the differences of the technologies that we're speaking about. Considering if we're, we're talking about a certain wavelength that they're in, along with us. Uh, logically, you know, you would have to either use technology in some form to cross over, or it could be a telepathic way uh, for them to cross over, or some sort of uh, way which we have no idea even what to call it. Uh, but we see a lot of folks that report, obviously, you know, metal UFOs, a lot of folks uh, who report uh, globes and orbs. Uh, what always gets me, though, is uh, the people who are abductees, who report not only being taken, but Tim, they report, of course, the the hybridization of the human race. Uh, they report uh, semen samples being taken. Uh, all these uh, different experiments that are happening. Uh, if they're trying to make contact, why are they going to these extra steps? Which, to me, it seems more like a species coming in from somewhere, uh, maybe in this uh, dimension, maybe outside of this dimension in another realm. But they're they're not even sure of what is here, so they're coming into like experiment, find out who we are, like what we would do if we find a new uh, species out in the backyard, and we're like, what the heck is this thing? We will quarantine it, put it in uh, in storage, uh, dissect it, you know, mess around with it. If we we're really into science, maybe uh, try to you know biologically see what it's made of. Have you know a scientist that we might know look at it and go through the scientific method to see what the makings and biology of these things are i mean uh, that that would be the logical way so the process of the hybridization leads to me that we're looking at more scientific minded beings uh than and something spiritual or paranormal or spooky but there's always those two kind of reports where people like report the spooky paranormal stuff but at the same time it could just be where you're just so scared of what you're seeing in a real environment that it just comes off as spooky where maybe in a hundred years when we're all indoctrinated into like just walking around with little greys and everybody's like one happy planet, it won't be as scary as it is now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, uh, Ray, and, and if you haven't talked to him, you really should consider having him on. Oh, no, we, we've had we've had Ray on before. In fact, we, so, we had uh, a certain discussion on Skywatchers Radio with Ray where uh, he, you know, dropped a nugget of info um, one member of uh, Free who uh, was apparently cured of cancer, and uh, we pressed on who that person was, and he really wouldn't answer the question or get too into it, and he got a little upset with me over there. And uh, well, I mean, I can understand. I mean, that is somebody's <laughs> personal medical information, but they did have they did have the you know the statistics of people that reported it being a scary experience and and showing that the more right. that it happens, it's it's not a scary experience. But I will say this. Assuming that what we're seeing right now is some sort of new hybridization program is also assuming that we haven't just been a hybridization program all along and that everything that is here on Earth wasn't by the design of some of those beings. Listen, I don't want to make anybody upset that's religious. I have a tendency to do that non-intentionally. But think about this. You know, Mary comes home, from Joseph, uh, comes home to Joseph and says, hey, I'm having a baby. And Joseph's like, well, wait a minute. We haven't had sex. How can it be? <laughs> maybe that was an alien hybrid, and maybe that was part of what they were doing to try to create this organized religion that would allow them to kind of continue on with the, the process that they were fostering. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility, but that's, yeah. that's what we have to look at is, you know, all of these questions that we try to answer, we also have to have 
you know, an understanding that we can't just presuppose that this is all relatively new. That you know, the UFO question didn't really start in 1947 with Kenneth Arnold. It's been going on for as long as man has been able to look up into the sky. Oh, definitely. Look at the the Vimanas of uh, what 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Uh, the reports in the Sumerian texts, of course, of the Anunnaki, and uh, you know, you go back uh, to even the Egyptian, you know. Horus uh, coming from the stars, you know, every uh, religion actually has their deity come from the stars or is kind of, uh, you know, loosely star-based. Even the Buddha speaks of the afterlife in the heavens and and uh, all this stuff. So, I mean, this is uh, nothing new. You're absolutely right. It's just the way it's interpreted. Uh, by the generation that's looking at the information from the past. And uh, that's one thing that I love about the history that we do know about, is we can dissect it, we can look at it, and uh, study it and learn from it. Unfortunately, with 4 billion years, there's a lot of you know years in history this planet's had where we're clueless of what's going on here. And that's another uh, area that I wanted to uh, kind of ask you about, Tim. Uh, what if uh, a lot of this stuff is not otherworldly or even interdimensionally? What if a lot of the crafts that we're seeing are beings that have been here the entire time from billions of years ago and survived whatever catastrophe happened on this earth, went inside the earth, and have been living here within us, uh, with us for you know centuries and centuries? And they are the engineers that made mankind what we are because i do think with the way you look at dna and all the junk dna and all the other things in our own dna that there has definitely been manipulation of it so what if they are the engineer they are the elohim and that's the big secret they're not from the stars they're from right here and that, that also would explain where they're coming in a lot from the ocean as a lot of people see them as uh, undersea objects coming directly that's been a report also for many many years what are your thoughts on that well, I mean, I'm always a big believer in Occam's razor, that the simplest <laughs> explanation is usually the one that's right. And if that's the case, it's it's far easier to believe that it is something that's yes. coming from this planet as opposed to being something that comes from at least we are pretty aware of the fact that within our own solar system, we haven't been able to determine if there's life anywhere else yet as we know it. So the beings that people are reporting seeing here, we have seen no evidence of them as far as we can see out into our own solar system. So that means they're coming from a very great distance in order to get here, or they could already be here and they could just be coming from, like you said, inside the earth or very possibly future human beings that are coming back into this, uh, into this time period, because I've talked to numerous guests uh, before who have told me, you know, the grays are really just what mankind will look like in the future. And and it makes yeah. sense when they start to describe the anatomy and physiology and the reasons for it. So in in those regards, I would I'd far sooner believe that that is the real deal that's going on uh, than I, before I would believe that they're extraterrestrials. But I the, the more that I think about it, the more that I just can't get over the fact that, you know, mankind always has to have its boogeyman. And its boogeyman has <laughs> always true. changed yes. as our as our look at the world has changed. So whereas we might have been afraid to go into the woods in the past because they're fairies, well, then maybe these things showed up as fairies. Uh, in, in the past, you know, maybe we've been afraid of, um, 
ghosts because we're afraid of the afterlife. We don't know what happens to us when we die. So these things manifest as ghosts. And now our, our boogeyman has to be something more modern and more technological. We think that we've mastered the earth and the stars immediately around us. So then our boogeyman would have to be something that would be coming from a great distance away to be able to come here and scare us. So it, whatever it is, it always takes this form of whatever we need it to be to reflect who we are in that particular time period. That's why we, we didn't have these you know, terrifying abduction reports uh, prior to, you know, Betty and Barney Hill and, and maybe a few cases before that, but it's a relatively yes. phenomena for mankind to report being abducted by aliens. For us to report it, you're absolutely correct. Uh, in the last uh, hundred and some years, it's really... Uh, and and it's funny because, it, it uh, Tim, and it follows the invention of Hollywood movies, the more they came out in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that dealt with the subject, the boom of people reporting these things uh, started to grow more and more and more. So that also plays a part of it. And a lot of people say always, oh, they're conditioning the planet. Well, there's also a little thing called mental illness where a lot of folks, unfortunately, suffer through that and they see something in the movies or TV and they're like, I'm latching onto that as my reality because I can't escape it. Uh, so, you you know, that also is a, a little chunk of what's happening. But when you have certain things there that are so engraved or ingrained with proof and evidence and, and data and people that are uh, the first-hand eyewitnesses and boots on the ground, like the Phoenix Lights have so many people reported, uh, you know, things uh, from years and years ago, like when they would report leprechauns and fairies, like you said, uh, you know, you're not talking about one or two person who might have been hallucinating. You're talking about legends that are created because of hundreds of people that have experienced these things. And uh, it could be that they misidentified what they were witnessing with, again, what we've been saying, well, what actually is that's been going on. Why well, always lead to a belief that yeah, a lot of this stuff might be inner earth related? And by the way, I'm not a flat earther by no means. Thank God. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of those guys. I don't believe in the flat earth theory. If uh, anybody out there listening, I, I'm not one of those uh, conspiracy nutcases. Uh, but I will say this. I do think that there are pockets within the planet, our round, spherical, uh, kind of like a little bit pear-shaped planet, as uh, one uh, doctor named uh, Mr. Degrassi Tyson would say, Neil Degrassi Tyson, uh, I always called him Degrassi for some reason. Uh, but Neil uh, Tyson would say, of course, it's a little bit pear-shaped. Or, you know, it's a, it might be a little odd-shaped, but it's not a flat earth, and I do not believe that. And, but I do think there is pockets within here, and uh, it's very easy to believe that a lot of these beings are living right here, right alongside us. And look, like the movie They Live, remember that movie from the 80s? Uh, we're there all around us, and we just didn't see them correctly because of the wavelength that they were using to hide who they were, and you could only see them through the glasses. That yeah. could be it. And that could very yeah. I mean, we we perceive things in a way of, uh, you know, a very limited part of the actual reality that's out there. It's just the way that we're built. Uh, we don't have the ability to see everything that's out there. There's parts of the infrared, uh, parts of the light spectrum that we can't see. And uh, so we utilize some of these tools that we use on ghost hunts, for example, to help us kind of see into that spectrum. And when we're walking through a place with infrared and we're seeing shadows show up and we're seeing figures show up in the infrared spectrum, that doesn't mean that they're not there when we don't turn the device on. 
<laughs> it just means that we right. don't to perceive them. And I can tell you firsthand that if you spend enough time looking for shadow people, you start to be able to see them uh, far more often. So that just shows me that the things that we, whether it be shadow people, ghosts, aliens, whatever it wants to be, the things that we try to tell ourselves aren't really there are probably there. It's just that we're putting in that blinder, putting in that, that, that lack of perception just so mm-hmm. that we can keep our own sanity. What's your favorite kind of investigation to do? Uh, ghostly activity, shadow people? I mean, uh, what's the most fun for you guys? For me, it's absolutely ghosts uh, because I've always had good interaction and because out of all of it that's going on, that's the thing that I, I want to be able to uh, kind of figure out more than anything. I want to be able to figure out why I've been touched by things I couldn't see, why I've had communication with things that I couldn't see, and and figure out what the mechanism is for that. Because I do think that whatever it is, it will signal a greater power and a greater ability for mankind while they're alive if it is something that is indeed happening to them when they're dead. That's uh, the question. What happens to you when you die? That's the even more than the alien question. I think that's the one humans really want to know mostly. What do you think? Uh, if you have to weigh uh, on a scale, well, I, I I kind of differ in in some aspects of it because in a way, the thought and thinking that we have to go on that there has to be more than this is just our own ego. Because why would man be any different than any other creature on Earth? Uh, why is it that you know we think a chicken dies and we eat it and that's it? There's no chicken soul that we're worried about, but yet when uh, <laughs> throw I our do love chicken, down, though. Let, me, let me tell you right now, I love chicken. Well, yeah, and and, and it's, true. it's delicious. <laughs> but the 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 problem is is there's a huge amount of ego in thinking that there has to be something to us. When that's true. Die. But we also have evidence, or at least data, that I would say points to the fact that that is the case. So then, if that's the case, then what does all that mean? I actually think that whatever it is that is making us up, that is comprising our consciousness, is the energy that goes on. You know, the energy that powers our body, when you think about it, we can figure out kind of where it comes from, from the breakdown of the materials that we put into our bodies. But at the same time, that doesn't explain how all of that can come into a conscious being. So I think that the consciousness exists outside of all of the bodily systems and that that consciousness would have to continue on in some form or fashion after this physical shell dies. And if that's the case, then that would explain what ghosts are. And it would also explain why we don't see ghosts of cavemen, because there's probably a time limit and how long that energy kicks around for. And I'm not saying it's a hard limit. I'm just saying it dissipates after a while because the strength of that energy goes away. Do you think it goes away or do you think maybe it gets reborn? I mean, are you uh, interested or a believer at all in reincarnation? I, I don't know how I feel about reincarnation as much as, you know, people keep telling me more and more about it. I don't know how much I believe in it. I do think that the energy that makes us up, it's entirely mm-hmm. possible that it could go off and form bonds with other energy. And therefore, whatever our consciousness is would, would be dissipated and absorbed into that. But I think that there's a, a strong possibility that the more... So when you go into a haunted place and you're trying to communicate with the person that lived there 100 years ago... If that person is still around and you communicate with them, then you're powering that up and you're giving it new life. So the more the people go and talk to the ghost of, say, Lizzie Borden, the more Lizzie Borden's going to hang around the Lizzie Borden house. If that house was to go abandoned for another 150 years or just be a private residence for 150 years where nobody talked to her, then maybe then 
we wouldn't have Lizzie Borden's ghost around anymore. But we're we're constantly powering up these paranormal things by looking into them and by by wanting to have experiences with them or at least acknowledging the experiences that they're trying to have with us. That's only going to keep charging up their batteries. You know, Tim, um, I'm, I lost my mother in 2016 uh, to cancer. And I was at the uh, hospital room with her and my father and a nurse. Uh, and before she took her last breath, and they were kind of arguing with the nurse about the medicine they had given her. And my father was holding my mother's hand. And the moment she stopped breathing, my father was looking directly at her face. And he swears to this day that he saw a mist coming out of her body and looked at him and just walked away. And uh, it it completely froze him. Uh, when I looked over to my dad and I saw my mother not breathing, my dad was like stone cold white. Tim, I'm telling you, he it's like he really saw something. They completely freaked him out, and he was still holding my mother's hand. And uh, as I'm arguing with the nurse and I see my mother's face and I, I start yelling, she's not breathing, she's not breathing. My father very calmly said, "Son, she's gone." I I, I saw. And, and I didn't understand what he was saying at the moment. And as you know, you can imagine, I started crying like a child at the moment because I lost my mother. And the nurses came in with the uh, the doctors and, and the whole nine yards. And uh, my father took me to the side. And for a couple of days, he didn't tell me exactly what happened. But when he brought it up, he told me what he saw. And he said, I have never seen that before. Um, and it shook me to the point where I froze in there. But... I 100% believe there's something more to this now because of what I just saw in that room. And my father is not into paranormal stuff. He's not super religious, uh, at least wasn't at that point. And uh, for him to tell me something like that, you know, that clarified for me that he definitely saw something that really shook him to the core, you know. And uh, that's why I always keep that hope alive that there is something else that we transition to. And it's not just something that goes away and, and just disappears. Because at the end of the day, the, the living force, as Star Wars like to call it, and that energy that resides in us, uh, you know, energy lasts uh, forever in some point or another. So maybe that's what we return to, to the uh, energy grid that controls the entire cosmos. And we get to uh, experience that life, which... It leads to a show that I did a couple of weeks back where we talked about, uh, you know, what if reality is our energy from another point in time and through uh, quantum technology somewhere, somehow, or through quantum physics, they're able to use these bodies as avatars. And when we pass away, we're just going back home and we're waking up on the other side where we strapped into a machine and we're just playing a game and that game is life. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly something that's a possibility. Uh, we just talked this past week. Uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on which guest it was that I was talking to, but we were discussing on uh, on Midnight Society about the possibility of us living in a matrix. And, there you go. Yeah. And, and, and while I don't think that it's, you know, like the matrix where there is something else that's feeding off of us and giving us this constructed reality as a way mm-hmm. to um, keep ourselves uh, placated while like, they're, while they're like doing Like batteries, that. like in right. the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I do think it's entirely possible that all, when you think about it, all of existence is, it's, it is kind of all made up because what it is, is it's really just the way that our eyes see light reflecting, re- reflecting off matter. So 
what you right. see as being a table might look different to you than it does to me. And, you know, your perception of the color green is different than my perception of the color green. And so that's it's all kind of an individual download. The program is the same, but each uh, each user could be utilizing that program in a different way. So in that regard, yeah, we do have kind of a constructed reality that if you take if you look at that approach, then then you can take a lot of the things that we consider so sacred out of it. Because who cares if you're born and then you die? Because you are just going to be plugged right back into the system again at some point. If you decide to do it, that's the, the that's the bigger question. Are, are we given that free will to come back and replug in, or because at that point, then we are free on the other side to you know live uh, whatever lives we want, or is it mandatory and we're just destined to repeat it over and over and over again until what end? I mean, I guess it depends on what you think is on the other side. I mean, if if there is a, uh, a heaven, there the way that people kind of describe it as, where heaven is where you can just kind of sit around and do whatever you want all day, I don't know if that would be something that I'd want to take part in. You know, I might want to. <laughs> as a podcaster, you know, you get a lot of shows done, though. Think that's about true, that. but there's also a lot of things that I haven't experienced that if I'm sitting up there, you know, doing nothing, and, and my entire now forever basis is based on the limited amount of experiences that I had in my time here on Earth, I don't know if that would necessarily be enough of a, of a, of a palette for me to have to determine what I want to do forever. So I'd want to be able to come back and experience different things and other things so that I'd have a more informed decision to make going forward of how I'd want to spend eternity. Wouldn't it be neat if you get to go to the other side and, and you are able to pick your next destination and you can find another planet just like Earth and you get to experience multiple lives on different planets and really experience what's out there before uh, we unite and make contact here on Earth. But it's all within this spectrum of reality and we're just hopping from planet to planet within the extra dimension that we all go back to once we pass away from that body. Uh, and really all of this existence will be just one giant infinite avatar game and that's part of the idea behind this is that you know maybe uh -huh. we do have to spend part of our life on every single planet maybe we need to to experience a little bit of each thing uh that is to be offered under this uh thing that we call existence to be able to really fully complete our journey i would like to think that we can reach the point of enlightenment that we need to without having to go through all that but if living on another planet is part of it, that might be the closest that we can get to actually being able to go there and see it. So why not give it a shot? I mean, my my whole problem is, is I find it hard enough just to get through this life without screwing up. I can't imagine having to go through it all again and being like, oh, man, like now I got to risk screwing up again all over again. You know, like that. <laughs> Think about all the times that you had like a near miss where you, you know, oh my God, I should have died. Well, maybe next time you will, you know, like just take it for what yeah. it was this time and learn, learn from that and move forward. But maybe that's why on the next one you don't, you know, die and you uh, do have a near miss because you subconsciously uh, remember what happened to you in one of your past lives. Well, and if I'm going to live again, I just better be promised that this time I'll be taller than six feet. <laughs> I am six foot tall myself, so we're at same height. No, no, I'm I'm below that. I I'd love to be at least that. I'm 42 years old, oh. and still holding out for one more growth spurt. 
<laughs> it hasn't happened at this point, brother. <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, he, I actually had a doctor look at me and tell me, like, listen, you're probably not going to lose your hair, so at least be happy with what you got. I was like, All right, oh, come. yes, yeah, I'm six foot tall and I'm completely bald, so at least you got that. You know, I've lost my hair a long time ago, so I got you on the height, but you got me on the hair. See, it's I, a, the trade off one way or the Yeah, keep the hair, keep the hair. So, trust me. Uh, well, it depends on how you go. Some ladies like the bald look. Oh, I've been bald before, yeah. No, I I shave my head in the summertime, and all the people that don't have a choice hate me for it because it doesn't count if you get to choose to be bald. Yeah, well, some of us don't have that choice anymore, Uh, which, again, that goes back to free will. I have none when it comes to the hair. No free will there at all. Just uh, God one day said, thou shall be bald. Ding! And they just started falling off, which is uh, it's karma because I used to make fun of my brother when he started going prematurely bald. And I said, you know, point out and be like, ah, if I ever lose my hair, I'll just shave it. And uh, he was going through the process of like, should I put plugs or should I not? And I was like, just shave it. And he wouldn't shave it for a long time. And then he gave up. And then a year later, I started losing my hair. And I was like, dope. Yep, I got to live by my word. I got to live by it. I got to shave my head. No good. If I, I figured if I lost it, I would just uh, I would just go and start shaving it. And then... I started shaving it anyway because it all it all went back to one year for Halloween. I had to have a, a Halloween costume, and I couldn't come up with anything last minute. So this is when wrestling was super popular. So I had an Austin 316 shirt, and I had a little oh, vest nice. and jean shorts and boots. So I was like, uh, and I already had a goatee. So I was like, all I need to do is shave my head, and I can be stone cold. It's like, well, let me see if I can go get a bald cap. And nobody had a bald cap that close to you know trick-or-treat time. So I said, well, then I'll just shave it. And I ended up doing it for years after that. And now every once in a while, I'll do it for a summer and, you know, kind of do it again. And then when I grow my hair back, it was like, oh, my God, I thought you were bald. Like, nope. <laughs> I'm one of the rare people that, that does it by choice. You know, uh, funny, we have both the uh, Halloween wrestling moment. I, I went as Cactus Jack for a couple of Halloweens and I had long hair at the moment and I had the mask and the whole thing. And uh, that was uh, the, the, not Cactus Jack, I'm sorry, Mankind. Mm-hmm. With the same character, same uh, wrestler, and uh, you know he had the, the brown leather mask and the whole nine yards, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I miss wrestling. I, those uh, were fantastic eras, and now that might be gone too. By the way, WWE is uh, looking to probably uh, sell its uh, soul to ESPN. Well, actually, I heard uh, another suitor for them is Disney. Disney's looking into possibly buying it. So Disney I, owns ESPN. They owe ABC, Disney, it's all the same well, company. So, no, yeah. but want to put it on Disney Plus. Yeah, exactly. Wanna, they want to merge it into the Disney. They want to take WWE Network and merge it into Disney Plus. Uh, because right now, it's it's actually having much better success than Disney Plus. So, but listen, the, the, yep. pro- the problem with wrestling is, and, and I've, I've said this for a long time, wrestling is a lot of the same fans. Uh, you know, same people that love the paranormal love wrestling. There's it's a true. crossover yeah. between the two. And yep. the funny thing is, is the people that are involved in, in in liking both, they have no problem with the suspension of belief when it comes to wrestling. But yet they don't have they have a huge problem with it when it comes to paranormal stuff. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't question everything and that we shouldn't ask for proof, but we also have to get to that point where it's like, okay, I accept with wrestling that the stuff that's going on in the ring is predetermined. It doesn't right. mean I think that it's fake. I know what these guys go through. I spent four years, five years, or as, something like that as a wrestling announcer. So I see it firsthand. I'm, I'm right there ringside. I see what goes on. 
And just the fact that they're putting all this together doesn't mean that it isn't a legitimate thing. And the same thing with the paranormal. Just because sometimes we're, we're, we're having to make some leaps in logic to be able to continue investigating, to find new avenues to investigate, it doesn't mean that the answers that we're finding at the end of it are, are wrong, which is why I always say we can't really look at, say, for example, ghosts as a scientific pursuit because no science has been able to prove it yet, so it probably won't be able to. And, and I look at it as like this. The paranormal is probably not physical, which is why we can't apply physics to it. It's probably emotional. And that's why we have such a strong response to it. You can't take out an EMF detector and tell me the difference between, you know, hate and love. You can't take out an EMF detector and tell me the difference between fear and bravery. And so all of that stuff is all subjective. It's all emotional. It's all something that has to be felt. And it's the same thing with paranormal phenomena. Very, very true. Tim, uh, we're almost out of time here. Man, the hour goes by so quick. I uh, definitely want to book you back in the, uh, bring you back on the show and continue talking to you very near in the future. Uh, please give the audience uh, your website where they can listen to you live, the dates, times. Uh, I want you to plug as much as possible because I love your show and I want everybody to uh, listen in. Well, thank you. The The current weekly show is now Midnight Society with Tim Weisberg. I know that I was on that previous Midnight in the Desert show, but not anymore. Midnight yep. Society with Tim Weisberg, weeknights on midnight.fm, and you can subscribe to that and listen to all of our past episodes. Uh, but the free, you know, the uh, live broadcast every weeknight is at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, 7 Pacific, and that airs free on midnight.fm and on TuneIn and on the Paranormal Radio app. And then uh, Spooky South Coast airs Saturday nights on SpookySouthCoast.com and on YouTube. Uh, all the archives for that show are available free of charge. But right now we are on hiatus because they won't let us into the studio to be able to go and produce that program. Uh, but we're hoping that they'll let us in uh, after Memorial Day. So we're hoping that beginning in June we'll be able to return to the WBSM studio for Spooky South Coast. But Midnight Society is still airing every weeknight. Great lineup of shows coming this week. Uh, you know, and I just love doing shows like this because you get the chance to really get deeper into some of the subject matter and, and really get to kind of share your own thoughts and experience when uh, every other time, you know, you're in, uh, interviewing a guest, it's, it's more about them. I love being able mm -hmm. to throw around theories and ideas with like-minded people. So I thank love you. having you on, man. Thank you for being uh, here. It's a, again, it's been a complete pleasure and honor uh, to, to have, bring you on the show and I look forward in the future and hopefully uh, you're uh, safe and sound and we can uh, bring you back on and continue our conversations because the hour has been phenomenal. Unless I get abducted, I'll be here. There you go. <laughs> Just try to avoid that. And stay corona-free. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you don't talk to any people, it's hard to ha it's hard to get sick. There you go. There you go. You know, it's funny. Like uh, We have a minute here before we, we got to completely head out, but uh, I, I tell a lot, a lot of people they are freaking out. I'm like, welcome to my world. I've been doing this for several months before this broke because I had my leg surgery. So just calm down. Don't freak out. Everybody's going to be okay. You're now experiencing my life, and uh, Tim knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just, uh, you know. I'm being told not to leave the house. That's what I want to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. And if they send a couple of thousand bucks our way in the next few months, hey, go for it. That's all I'm saying. No harm done here. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back uh, on the next uh, hour with uh, the one and only the legendary Kaiser's Castle right here on PSN Radio. And uh, 
we uh, you know we're going to wrap up on inside the jackals header for the evening, and uh, look forward to having you on next week uh, live again from ten to midnight with another fabulous show. Not as great as uh, probably as uh, we put on tonight because Tim Weisberg again is a pro and a legend, but I promise I'm going to try to keep up the good work and uh, hopefully that show is nearly as good as uh, we. Uh, promise every week here on the, the network but again stick around big show coming up with kaiser's castle as we promised so uh we'll be back next week till then everybody take care stay covid free and please cover your mouth when you're out there nobody wants to catch what you got even if it's not covid 19 it's just rude man seriously good night everybody